Welcome to Outside the Box, the official podcast here at thefeed.com. This is John Franklin, and I have Brandon Dykstrahouse here with me. Today, we're visiting with Allison Powers, former pro cyclist and owner at Alp Cycles Coaching. Allison spent her formative years on the U.S. ski team as a downhill racer. She then switched to cycling and is the only person in history to win all three road discipline national championships in one year. We have a number of other accolades we could regale you with, but welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you very much. Um, I just gave you a little bit of an intro, but um, tell us more about yourself and what you'd like our listeners to know about you. Well, I live uh, outside of Nederland, and I live in a very small cabin with two border collies and my husband, and I sometimes become a mountain hermit. Uh, But I still love to ride my bike and ski and do outside things. and it's what are the activities of a mountain hermit uh, splitting wood making fires <laughs> skiing i skied from the front door yesterday to out into the woods that was really awesome. nice uh shoveling snow get rid- getting rid of ice yeah have you ever considered joining a log splitting competition <laughs> no because i'm, is, is I'm not very good thing? at it <laughs> uh, we have a splitter so i'm um, thankfully because i'm not very good at it with cyclist arms i would start after we had nationals so like july would be time to get ready for winter time because i wouldn't have to worry about injury and i could last like 20 minutes and then my arms and my lats i'd get so sore the next day well as someone who's accomplished a lot in um, a couple different sports, I'd love to talk about motivation. Can you tell us when you think back on your career and what's motivated you and what's made you successful? What are some of the pillars that you've stood on and the people that have helped you and what's really driven you to get to the level where you've gotten? Growing up and even now, I've wanted to be a really well-rounded athlete. So not just good at one thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm good at that thing, but I want to work to become stronger, faster, uh, a better climber, or more powerful in the gym, or have quicker feet in the hex jump, or whatever. Um, mostly because I didn't know anyone who was good at everything, and so I wanted to be that person. What are, what are sources of motivation in becoming that person? Just myself. I wish I could say that I had like a mentor or someone that I looked up to, but when I was ski racing, I didn't know one person who was on the U.S. ski team. Like we'd go to races and they'd be there wearing their fancy jackets with their technicians and I would cower in a corner and be afraid to talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then same with bike racing. I didn't know about bike racing till Lance Armstrong and the Tour de France and I had never even seen a bike race in person until I went in a bike race, and then I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but I, I didn't have that person to look up to. I had really great coaches, and, and my parents were always supportive of everything I wanted to do, but I just wanted to be the best uh, that I personally could be. And a lot of that came from just an inner inner drive. Yeah, inner drive. Like For ski racing, they probably still have it, the medals test. It's like this test of fitness in the, in the summertime to see how well-rounded of an athlete you are and will be strong for ski racing. And I wanted to get 100% on every single test. And some people, like, they can't run a mile or they can't do the box jumps or they can't do the push-ups, but I wanted to win at everything. Uh, just whatever. That's what I wanted to do. 
Brandon says he can keep up with you. On the bike. <laughs> I don't think I said that. I said, <laughs> ask her if I can. <laughs> We'd, we've ridden bikes a couple of times. Uh, I just wanted to say something controversial. <laughs> we've ridden uh, bikes a couple of times. More than, or only once with my how would you de- How would you describe it, Brandon? Well, I would say the time that we actually rode a bike. We were act- we were hiking the bikes more than we rode them. It was um, very steep. <laughs> we were off, we were off course, off trail, but yeah. I'm probably still faster than him, though. <laughs> Just kidding. I th- <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seems it seems like um, we should probably go settle it in the parking lot yeah. following the the podcast. I have heard that Brandon is a very good rider. Are you doing the old man winter rally? No. Oh. Are you doing it? I think so. I don't often do these boulder things. Oh. In my I don't either, but I think it would too. be great that okay. we could settle this. When's the last time you rode your bike? This morning? Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's been up there making sure the log splitter's working. <laughs> chipping ice. That, that's okay. I'll look into it, see when it is. February February 12th. February 12th. Yep. Okay. I have athletes who do it, and I know the course is, like, really, really awesome, and I've heard good things about it. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about Alp Cycling, your coaching business. Okay. You, um, sounds like, um, grew up as a really self-motivated person but had some good coaches along the way. How have you transitioned from uh, being an athlete to being a coach and and what would you say your kind of core principles of coaching are? Well I when I quit ski racing I started ski coaching because that's the only thing that I knew and I really really liked the teaching aspect of it but I didn't care so much for standing on the side of the hill in the ski boots um, so I was like well if I really like teaching why not try bike racing uh, bike race coaching. Uh, and I think one thing that I really like are, is the skill aspect, like the actual teaching how to ride a bike more so than the training plans, because growing up from a skill sport where you have to, like, if you don't have the skills in ski racing, forget about it. And it's so much technique and drills. And I like to take that to the bike. And so my favorite things with coaching are the skills clinics and teaching people how to race, like hands-on coaching. Mm. And I find that that's what makes me different as a coach compared to all the other hundreds of cycling coaches there are. Yeah. I think um, people might have ridden their bikes for tens of thousands of miles, but never really worked on any sort of skill. That's right. To your point. Yep. Um, They can love cycling. They can be their number one activity. What are some like, what are some of the most common mistakes or quick fixes that you've seen recreational cyclists be able to make to actually improve time or just make riding more pleasant? Well, I think number one is a proper bike fit with a good saddle. You know, like your butt doesn't have to hurt when you're riding. (laughs) And then with that bike fit, like posture on the bike, having shoulders down and back, sitting on your sits bones, you know, not, not collapsing in your spine, uh, and then once you have that nice posture on the bike to go with your bike fit, then you can start working on things like climbing out of the saddle. I don't think enough people know how to climb out of the saddle or know how to use um, 
cadence to like change change their pace you know lots of people like to ride 75 80 rpms and then their leg muscles get really tired um so just learn and and cornering and how to ride in a group like there's so much to more to bike riding than just getting on a bike and riding what have you learned in becoming a coach personally in terms of personal growth and uh you have to keep learning because just you can't ever think that you know it all or you know all the training or you know all the skills uh because a when you when you think that you stop growing but then it gets really boring um so i've learned that personally i don't want to be staring at training peaks power data every single day sitting in front of the computer because i do like the hands-on teaching so tried to think of other avenues to make money and then also keep myself happy within the coaching. When you were racing, what was your, did you have any funny superstitions that you'd like to share with us? And what were some of your favorite pre-race meals? Oh, superstitions. I tried to stay away from the superstitions. Yeah, good. Like sometimes you think like, oh, these are the best socks. You'd be like, no, I'm going to wear different <laughs> socks and I'm still going to win. It's going to be I'm okay. going to show those good socks yeah. who's boss by winning <laughs> yeah. in different socks. So, it, I mean, I definitely always had to have coffee. I, I liked to go, you know, get an espresso or something before a crit or a time trial. And coffee was a big, a big deal. Um, as far as what I always eat, I loved... Uh, oatmeal, granola. I like to mix my egg in my oatmeal. That's weird, but whatever. I like it. <laughs> and fruit. Um, and uh, rice, like basic cyclist food. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Allison, much like you, I come from the Alpine world, and now I, I'm a middle-aged biking hack, but it's been an absolute joy of a journey and my body has changed over the years i was a 210 pound alpine you were, athlete you were a big dude i remember and now i'm a sub 170 pound <laughs> wannabe cyclist but can you describe um like the differences in training both for alpine and cycling and how you've had to change your approach and then what it's meant um i was reading one of your articles on strength-based training f- for cyclists and how you'd incorporate that both for alpine and cycling mm-hmm. so uh, yes, ski racing is a is a gravity sport. So the bigger you are, the more gravity is your friend. So same same like you, when I retired, I was 183 pounds. I flew home from Europe and got on the scale and was like, I don't ever want to weigh this much anymore. <laughs> but I had worked so hard to weigh that much with the chicken breasts and the eggs and the protein powder and the weight room. Like, I was proud of being that big. Uh, and then over the years of just you know, not powerlifting anymore and riding my bike. It seemed like every year I got a little, a little smaller. Um, but I still like to do what I found with bike riding and bike racing is all you do is ride your bike and you become so one dimensional that at least for me, I became bad at everything else. Whereas (laughs) I used to be like pretty athletic and good at things. And now forget about it. I can't jump like running. No way. So it's, um, so it's nice to be able to be like, okay, we can still do plyometrics, we can still do strength training, and be a bike racer because it's good for our bodies to be multidimensional. For someone that's never ski raced, I've never ski raced. What are some surprising things that that would be surprising to someone who hasn't raced? So, like about the the training, and obviously the the point you were just making about. Um, putting on weight because it's a gravity sport. I mean, what are some of those 
kind of interesting things about ski racing that you found? And then I guess the same question goes for cycling. Uh, well, I remember being in high school and trying to gain weight and I would have a power bar like in between second and third period every single day to add the calories, try to try to get more and gain weight. And in high school, normally girls don't want to gain weight. Uh, oftentimes people think that ski racers have no fear. You must not ever get afraid. You're so crazy. Actually, they get afraid. But instead of letting that fear like overcome them and paralyze them, it's like motivating. No, if I want to kick some serious ass today, I need to be confident and stand on my ski even more. Because yes, there's a chance I could go in the fence and and get injured, but I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, Ski racers are really, really athletic. Like they're super athletic. They can, they're, they have quick feet. They're powerful. Some endurance. I mean, when I was a ski racer, if I went for a two hour bike ride. That was like, whew, that was really, really long. Um, but they're lactate, like they can handle enormous amounts of lactate. Like they're, and m- mentally strong, un- unbelievable. We went uh, to drive, to race go-karts. Um, a while back with a group of people mm-hmm. and we had a few uh a couple former pro cyclists mm-hmm. and some you know competitive people and then some people who had never done that like myself and the all the people who were really serious cyclists were really good drivers and it had never occurred to me that some of the use of weight um was such a competitive mm-hmm. advantage in that sport in driving. Um, mm-hmm. and I just wonder about like, how did that give you a leg up in, in cycling coming from skiing or did you have to relearn things? Like how did the, the use of weight kind of translate? So for cornering, knowing the ski racing, I guess, skill set of cornering transferred to bike racing amazingly. Uh, any technical, criterium or technical course or fast descent you know off of a climb I it was like no problem that came naturally to me actually to a detriment because I would crash myself sometimes (laughs) so then I learned to go a little slower Uh, but with that I would also think of line selection a little bit differently so oftentimes you know if I was a lead out and I was leading people out I would think the ski racer line where so many bike racers are like you have to start wide and then apex tight and exit wide. Well, as long as you carry your speed, who really cares what your line is? So that would be a little bit different if people were following me or I was following people like, what are they doing? Why are they taking this line? Um, that was, so that was huge. Uh, also having that background of having been an athlete, a lot of people when they're athletes, they make mistakes, a lot of mistakes. They don't listen to their body. They overtrain. They don't know how to eat. When they exercise, they don't know how to remain calm and collected at at the start of a race or whatever. I had already made those mistakes as a ski racer and learned how to be an athlete. So that as soon as I was a bike racer, I was like, I got this. I've already memorized the course. I don't know one other bike racer who's ever memorized a course. I already have practiced it in my head 20,000 times. I'm ready to go. How did the transition from ski racing to bike racing come about? Because they're two completely different skill sets. um, I hurt my knee in 2001, falling down in a ski race. And then I came to Boulder to do some rehab, and I met uh, Connie Carpenter and Davis Finney. 
And Connie was like, you should bike race. And I was like, have you looked at me? I'm like 180 pounds and bike racers make even less money than ski racers. So that's crazy. And then fast forward, I don't know, three years, uh, I quit ski racing and all I want to do is ride my road bike. And I also missed being an athlete. So I was like, okay, I'll try this road racing thing. And I lived in Vermont ski coaching at the time and I went to a bike race and I'd never seen one before. And they were going so slowly. It was a criterium. I was like, it's a race. You're supposed to go hard. So I sat on the front for like the entire 40 minutes. And then the last 200 meters, everyone sprinted me and I got last. And I was like, what the, what is this? I worked the hardest. I should have won. <laughs> so there was some learning tactics. Uh, but the, and then I had to get the fitness, the endurance, because I didn't have the endurance. Like a, a, a road race of 50 miles, I hadn't even ever ridden my bike 50 miles before. Uh, but as far as the, like, being aggressive, I think it helped that I didn't really know the rules of bike racing. So I would just race. Like, I don't care that I'm a cat four and you're a cat two. I don't know that I'm not supposed to be in the wind or whatever. I'm just going to race my bike. And I think not having that fear of losing was really good. Right, right. So, question for you. Lindsey Vaughn or Michaela Schifrin, who would be a better bike racer and why? Oh, uh, I don't think Lindsey would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lindsey, but you're not very coordinated. I see you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I've never seen Michaela, like, off her skis, but she seems pretty athletic. Uh, at least Lindsay 10, 15 years ago, I don't think she would have made a good bike racer. Maybe she, I know she rides a bike, a stationary bike a lot now. Right. I see her quite a bit in Vail, riding up and down on the frontage road next to I-70. Oh, she rides outside now. Yeah. Okay, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Does this mean, does coming from ski racing mean that you're one willing to like, lean your bike over way more aggressively than your average cyclist? And two, are you less afraid of crashing? Because I assume that's just part of being a downhill skier is that you have some absolutely epic crashes and you build up a little bit of resistance to the fear of that. Until you get over 30 and you realize that when you crash, it really hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yes, with the cornering, when when you ski, you have to get your skis up up on edge and I like to think of that as the bike you have to lean the bike over and then your upper body has to go the other way to stay over your outside foot and that just came so automatically that a lot of people they never learn that and so that's one skill with cornering I really like to teach you know thinking about the centrifugal forces pulling you one way and you have to you know, create some bike body separation to fight the forces and people don't ever think of that with bike racing that oh wow that's why i get pulled wide at the exit of the turn and then i have to brake and my bike stands up it's like no well, fight the forces now so i i mean that came from ski racing that was awesome and then as far as afraid of crashing i don't think anyone really likes to crash but the speed at which you start to get afraid is higher than the average cyclist so like for me If I feel like, oh wow, I'm a little scared, I'm gonna go slower, I'm still probably going faster than 90% of people's comfort zone. What was your most most memorable sporting experience in alpine and in cycling? Oh, that is a hard question. And it could be good or bad, depending on how you. Well, 
So when I was 17, I got the call from George Kapal. He was a ski team coach head of the women's C team, saying that he'd like, you know, they'd like to name me to the U.S. ski team. And that, like, that was a dream I had had since I was such a little kid. And then to see, like, oh, my gosh, dreams can come true. I mean, I didn't sleep for, like, weeks because I couldn't stop thinking about all the free stuff I was going to get. <laughs> I'm going to get gloves and downhill suits. <laughs> um, so though I wasn't actually doing the sport at that time, that opened my eyes to be like, things, you know, dreams can come true. If you work hard, you can actually do it. Um, and then with bike racing coming across the finish line in the road race in 2014, when I then had won all three national championships that, I mean, I felt like a hoarder. I felt bad for everyone else. Like, seriously, you're, I just won three in a row and you guys can't even beat me. I see, I see an opportunity for a reality show called trophy hoarders. (laughs) There's not, there's not a lot of people who can be on that show, but you know, the few that can be pretty entertaining (laughs) that would be good so what what do you see obviously you just started your your own bike team bike Mm -hmm. racing team what's the vision over the next three years five years what what is the end goal so end goal i think i've gone it's a, a lot of things have gone in my head about what i want the team to be and what it could be but i think ultimately i'd love for it to be like a farm team that you know riders people come to the to the team and they learn how to race their bikes, they learn how to train, they learn how to be bike racers. And then, then a pro team knows that if someone comes from our team, she knows how to race her bike. She knows how to be a bike racer, how to be a teammate, how to take care of her body, like she gets it. Because a lot of people, and me included, have really strong engines and strong legs. So they make the, the pro teams and they go race in Europe and nationally and they have no idea how to race their bike. And they and they can't do teamwork and they don't know how to stay out of the wind and it's like embarrassing, and I know this from personal experience because I never had anyone teach me how to race my bike. Like it was just get as strong as you can and then I ride away from everyone and yeah I win again and again but I don't know how to be a bike racer, so um, I I want to teach people how to be bike racers and then that goes along with the coaching. I don't want to stare at training peaks all the time. I want to teach. So if the bike racing team can be sustainable and help me pay my bills, then it's like win-win. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited about the team. I've wanted to do it for a long time. And you have 20, 20 team members now, yeah, roughly? Yeah, tw- and I've had to turn away a couple, uh, which makes me sad but also excited. Um, and I've learned a lot. Like there's no manual on how to start a bike racing team. Right. Um, <laughs> And I didn't ask anyone, which I don't, whatever, just goes along with just figuring it out by yourself. And does your team compete against all cycling disciplines uh, or mostly, just primarily road? Yeah, mostly roady okay. right now. I mean, I'm looking ahead, I'd love to have a, a little mountain bike chapter and a cross chapter and track. Okay, I'm not really that into track, but people like it and they want to know how to race their bikes. Um, but yeah, mo- mostly road, 20 women across all categories, cat fours, cat twos, cat threes, and then a, a pretty good chunk of 50 plus women. Oh, awesome. Because um, they want to learn too, you know. They're, right. Um, so it's, it's pretty good. And I was a little bit worried, like, oh my, how do I handle 20 people on one? Like we were supposed to have team rides twice a month, but try and do a team ride with a 50 plus and a 15 year old, like 
engine. <laughs> so luckily we have a budget now to have two coaches per team ride. So we can split into two groups, still work on the same things, teach everyone how to race their bikes, do teamwork. But now in two groups, it can be a little bit more even for everyone. So I'm, I'm sure you saw in the last month that we had a 105-year-old break the hour, rec- hour record, yeah. which is so incredible. I hope I yeah. can still ride my bike at 105. Mm-hmm. Um, and then contrary to that, we have now motor doping hitting the headlines in our news. What, where do you see cycling in the next 5, 10 years, and, and I guess sport in general? Would... Uh, well, I think that 105-year-old can just show us what we are capable of doing. Uh, and especially, I mean, bikes are like the ultimate tool. They're body-friendly for the most part family friendly something we can do for a long long time even when our bodies start to like our knees start to hurt or our shoulders or whatever we can still ride bikes um but with sports sports competitive and people always want to win um and so there will always be those cheaters out there probably who who want to win Uh, but for the most of us we we want to have fun enjoy being healthy and competitive and keep learning so a little-known fun fact um, that I received from your sister oh, great. <laughs> is that you still hold the Middle Park High School track record. Oh, yeah, in the 800? Uh, I think so. She didn't tell me which event. Okay. But, yeah. She said that I had or to ask you about four. that. Um, yeah, we. Uh, I loved track. I loved track and cross-country. Um, eventually, one of those has to go, though, when you're ski racing. You can't be running all the time. So I think my la- my senior year, I said, okay, I'll let go of cross country because I'm going to be in Europe training and doing fall camps all the time. But I still want to come back and do track. And the track coach was like, yes, please. Like, whatever, whenever you're around, come. And we had a good team of seniors, like my classmates. We were really good. And I think we broke we broke the state record in the 4x4 four four, uh, relay, which actually Gabrielle, my niece, their Battle Mountain is a... 3A school? Anyway, anyway, they're yeah. a bigger bigger school, but my niece now runs faster in the 400 than I did then. So that's really oh, super cool. fun. Um, and then the 800, I uh, had I got second at state. I was a big wow. 800 runner. Wow. <laughs> it would be all the normal high school girls and then the 170-pound girl who would come. Um, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. I always have enjoyed suffering, pushing into the pain <laughs> cave. <laughs> You, where does your where does your mind go when you're in the pain cave, and where have you trained to go? And uh, well, now that I don't want to win any more bike races, I don't really like the pain cave. <laughs> but at the time, I just I liked suffering. I don't know. I I would be like even now when I ride my bike, I push a little bit uncomfortably hard because I like how it feels. And then when you're suffering, that's when you're really making yourself better. So the the more you can suffer and the harder you can push yourself the better you're going to be after, you know, a rest day or so. Um, But I have always, that's one thing I didn't like about ski racing is I enjoyed the training for it better than the actual skiing part. You know, the box jumps till you puke or the stuff in the gym or the running intervals over and over. I just, I really like the the self, uh, it's not really sabotage, but going into the pain cave. So, for those of the for the listeners that don't know you, you might you're not racing competitively anymore. Right. Um, but I would argue that you are still extremely competitive. And do you do 
any of your training indoors or is it all outdoors or? Uh, when I, when I raced bikes, I barely rode the trainer. Uh, I think my last year I maybe rode it five or six times because I, I have a, a nice, uh, I have a plethora of bikes to choose from depending on the weather. And then I've learned really good clothes. Uh, and then I think just growing up being cold all the time, you know, living in Fraser Valley, it's cold and you're wearing a little skinny downhill suit and whatever, like I can HTFU and go do my intervals and I'll be fine. Um, but I also like to Nordic ski and cross train a little bit. And then as I got older and wiser, I would start to pay attention to the weather and see like, oh, if it's going to be a high of 15 degrees and snowing, maybe that'll be my rest block and I'll take advantage of the nice weather. Uh, these days, I don't, I think I got on the trainer once early winter time because I wanted to try a Sufferfest video that I was giving my athletes to do. Um, but now I just ski and uh, Nordic ski, do some strength training. I have, uh, I'll ride my road bike now uh, with the team when we do our team rides and fat bike a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I like being outside. So for your athletes that have families and full-time careers, do you have them supplement indoor or? Yes. Yeah, so uh, you know, if you only have an, an hour during the day and it's at 5 p.m. at night, you know, after work or before dinner with the family, then yes, get on the trainer. Let's make an hour super good quality workout and call it good. Because uh, the trainer is, is highly efficient. Like you can get a really good workout in 60 minutes. And then when the weather's nice and you have time, go out for a nice endurance ride. How you doing the that right was thing? <laughs> I sit on my trainer every day. Trainer, yeah. He was he was on it at three thirty four in the morning yesterday. I was watching Squadming and ah, and okay. Chrome Thoughts yesterday, oh, awesome. so I woke up. Well, I woke up to see first run results, and then I couldn't go back to bed. I'm like, oh. well, I should just start riding. So okay. I jumped on my bike and kept going. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm. So we always ask, um, well, the couple people that we've had on the podcast, we ask about wearables and digital or, or techno- fatigue tracking technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, are you doing, it sounds like you're more skill-based development, but if you could give any recommendations for what people should be looking for or, or actually monitoring, what so, would you? Uh, one thing I think is really, really important is having a training log. So whether you use training peaks or a notebook or whatever, but keeping track of your training and then your feelings on that training. Uh, I was at my parents' house this summer and my mom was like, you need to get rid of stuff. (laughs) And I opened up a thing in the closet and there was like stacks of notebooks of my training logs from skiing. It was, I couldn't throw them all away. It was like day after day of things I worked on, what went well, what Mm. went bad, what my eating was like, like every day. What I did in the gym, like, wow, that is anal. <laughs> uh, but I think a, a training log really most important because then you can start to see, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Patterns. Right. Um, you know, for, for women, pattern monthly patterns with their menstrual cycle can really affect their training, their recovery, their moods, how their, their motivation. Um, and then you can... You can keep track. You can see like, okay, last year before the Gila stage race, this is what I did for training and it worked awesomely. I'm going to repeat that. Or, whoa, it was horrible. I was tired. Let's change it. Because then you can look back and you can make changes. 
And then as far as like data stuff, I think having a power meter, I mean, if you want accurate data and you want to know exactly where you're training and if your your training is quality, you got to have a power meter. Um, sometimes the power meter takes the fun out of it too. If you just want to go ride your bike and have fun. So that's fine. You leave it at home where you put tape over it or, or whatever. Um, I think heart rate monitors can be helpful, but they're, they're not the end all be all come training. Uh, heart rate's really nice to keep track of in the morning resting heart rate. If it seems a little bit elevated, maybe you're tired or a sickness is coming on or whatever. How much do you focus on sleep? Sleep is really important. I don't think enough people focus on sleep because it's easy to like forget about. We just assume everyone's having a good night's sleep. Not always. Some people think five hours is great and they're they're up snacking in the middle of the night because they're hungry. And <laughs> some people sleep like 12 hours and then they end up training at four in the afternoon and then it gets dark. So I think sleep's really important. So I try to ask... I use training peaks for our coaching software and there's a metrics button in there and you can keep track of your sleep hours and the quality of sleep and your resting heart rate when you wake up and for women, their menstrual cycle and whatever. But again, the more information you can collect and keep track of, the better. I can see why you were so successful. Yeah, <laughs> I was training a lot. I couldn't uh, believe it. Yeah. Did somebody tell you to do that, or did you just kind yep. of recognize? They, some, someone said, some, I guess somewhere, because they started when I was at Winter Park, so before the ski team. Keep, keep track of what you're doing. And I, I know what it was. Started, I think, with the strength training, because I was really into like getting as big and strong as possible. So I keep track of exactly how much weight and reps I did. And then two days later, when I went back to the gym, I'd need to add either like two pounds or one rep to make sure I was <laughs> continuing to get stronger. And then someone was like, well, you should do this with skiing because if you work on <clears throat> keeping your shoulders level one day and then you totally forget about that and then the next week and it's like keep your shoulders level and it's all season long you work on keeping your shoulders level and you don't ever get better that's like a whole wasted season so shoulders level so then you know okay i'm working on keeping my shoulders level okay now you can work on this and like keep progressing instead of wasting time every single day here's another question (laughs) we always ask um would you rather fight a one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. <laughs> like, do I have to beat them all down? What's the you have to, fight? <laughs> you have to... You have to walk away... You know, you have to walk away having won the fight. Whatever duck. whatever one, you consider. One big duck. I'd rather one big duck. Because mm. that's a hundred little horses. They could, like, bite you, and that's a lot of stuff to kick. <laughs> 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 but don't you think that ducks have a fiercer personality? Than a horse? Yeah. Probably. Good point. I was thinking of horses attacking me, a hundred horses attacking me, and they might just You were be thinking like, of like maybe a hundred horses that were different than normal horses yes, and like trained to kill grazing. you. They could be a hundred little grazing horsey ducks. And I could just one at a time like right. chuck them. Right. Okay. That. Hundred horsey ducks. Allison, thank you very much for being here today. Um, it was great to have you. And where can people look up your coaching business if they're interested? Uh, my coaching business is called Alp Cycles Coaching, A-L-P Cycles Coaching. 
And it's just that .com on the web for the website, alpcyclescoaching.com. And we have a page for the race team coming. I've built all the social media things for it as far as Instagram, Alpcycles Racing, Twitter, same, and Facebook. Um, and, yeah, we're, we, I have three coaches who work for me. We're all females, so it, it's not like girl power, but I do feel proud that, you know, I don't know any other coaching company that has three, four women coaches. And we do all have openings, and we all specialize in all different, you know, we have two, two people who are really highly skilled track racers. Uh, one coach who, she's from Switzerland, so she grew up racing in Europe. Uh, and then I kind of take the, the people who mountain bike cross are more, more uh, well, rounded's not the right term, but want to experience everything because that's what I like to do. Hmm. And, yeah, we're based, based here in Boulder, and we like to ride bikes with our athletes, and we have a lot of fun. And thank you for having me.